0: Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 130 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're checking in with Guy Sakalakis about local search marketing, what it is, and why it may be critical to getting the most desirable clients you're looking for.
1: Today's podcast is sponsored by Clio, legal practice management software.
0: Clio makes running your
1: law firm easier. Try it for free today at clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com.
0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Ruby Receptionists, and it's smart, charming receptionists who are perfect for small firms. Visit callruby.com slash lawyerist to get a risk-free trial with Ruby. So Sam, in about two weeks from today, on August 8th, you and I are speaking at the Minnesota Solo Small Conference, better known as Strategic Solutions for Solo and Small (laughs) Law Firms in the beautiful port city of Duluth, Minnesota. Um, and we're doing two different sessions uh, related to... Is that to like
1: five S's and then an M? S5, strategic M? Solutions or for solo, solo and Small,
0: and small law. Firms? Yeah. Yes. S, <laughs> S, S, F. All right, cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so we're doing two sessions, both of which are related to law firm websites and online marketing for lawyers. Uh, I'm really excited for both of them. If you're in town. We'd love to see you. But I thought the topic of those presentations is really related to our replay with Guy about local search marketing. We talk a fair amount, not necessarily on the podcast, but on Lawyerist about SEO and online marketing. And we always get lots of questions about using websites for SEO, usually in mysterious terms about wanting to rank number one on Google. And the reality is that Google's rankings and the way they display them keep changing so that organically ranking for Houston defense lawyer doesn't necessarily even get you at the top of the page anymore because those organic search results are buried by ads, they are buried by YouTube video embeds, and they're also more and more frequently being buried by local search results where a map displays with a listing of local businesses according to your keywords next to a map.
1: On the valid assumption that you probably are looking for something nearby for a lot of categories of right. things. If right. You're,
0: if you're typing in Houston defense lawyer... Google now recognizes that you're looking for something locally in Houston, and so wants to help you navigate there and get office open hours and all of the different things that local listings provide. User reviews, or if et you're cetera. in
1: Houston and you just type "divorce lawyer," it's still it going to deliver useful stuff. It may also do that too. Yeah. yeah
0: their algorithm is getting smarter and smarter. And so that is all to say that SEO is kind of always constantly adapting and changing. And right now, especially local search optimization is becoming more and more important as opposed to kind of generic national search optimization. And so our conversation with Guy today is very much about that, both about specifically how to optimize your website and your search profile for Google's new local search algorithms, but also kind of how to build your practice and manage your reputation to help accentuate those ratings with things like community involvement and local press coverage and things like that. And for what it's worth,
1: uh, here's my pitch for listening to this again, even if you haven't, and here's why it's still relevant. We're going to kick off, and Guy's going to mention a survey that found that People who earn more than $150,000 a year are more likely to get a referral from an internet search than they are from a friend or family member or word of mouth, which is directly contrary to what you might intuitively think, and I think what a lot of lawyers believe. So your highest earning potential clients might actually be the ones most likely to find you by using
0: an internet search. So we hope today's episode is really practical and useful for you. Yeah, here, listen in.
2: I'm Guy Sakalakis, and I help lawyers get clients from the internet, aka legal marketing.
1: <laughs> I, I know legal marketing is kind of a loaded term, which is why you throw it that way. But um, I feel like I need to point out that um, Guy is an excellent legal marketer and a knowledgeable and ethical marketer who's kind of my font of all things legal marketing wisdom, which is why you're on the podcast today.
2: Very kind of you to say, and I appreciate that.
1: Well, good. Uh, I, I, you have been a real source of knowledge for us over the years. And I, I, what I want to talk to you today is something that has just been off of my radar when it comes to legal marketing. Like I feel like I kind of get my head around search engine optimization and um, networking and online and offline and social media. Every, I th- feel like I've got the pulse on it, but um, you've been sort of buzzing in my ear about local marketing for years and I've just been sort of ignoring you. And so, I wanted you to give us sort of a primer about what local marketing is and how to do it. And maybe you could just start out by telling me and our listeners, what what are we been talking about? What is local marketing?
2: Sure. So, I think we can even go back one more step for context. And it really goes to talking to your audience and who your audience is. And if so, there's going to be a couple presumptions we're going to make as we have this conversation. And the the first is, is that you serve clients in a local area, right? Which I Mm -hmm. know a lot of firm, a lot of lawyers do, but there are obviously lawyers that maybe local marketing doesn't make sense for, you know, maybe they have a national or global practice. So this is really, you know, I think it's important to start with this. These are for, you know, consumer facing firms um, in local areas. And it's really, I think another hopefully takeaway from this as we even get through some of the specific nuts and bolts is that this isn't really a new thing. Um, you know, local marketing, local legal marketing has been going on for a long time, but uh the there's some differences in the tools at our disposal uh at that I think we should walk through. And but it's really it's it's medium agnostic. There are online things you can do, there are offline things you can do. And and what we're really seeing now is that there's a blur between the online and offline. And I think that's important for us to talk about.
1: Are we kind of talking about... So, when when everybody started trying to market online, one of the things that started happening, and this happened to me a lot because I wrote a, a blog about consumer law, is I would get inquiries from all around the country. Right. And my understanding is that some lawyers who that started happening to started trying to represent lawyers all around the country, um, which caused some ethical problems. Uh, but But I guess it sounds like what's happening now is we're getting better at targeting our online marketing to just the people that we're actually able and competent to represent.
2: Yeah, I think that's a part of it. Uh, Some of it has happened sort of independently of what the lawyers have actually been doing and more uh, having to do with how Google's getting smarter. Um, And when we talk about specifically in local search, that's definitely played a big role that Google has evolved to give much more localized and personalized results than they used to and that has that's caused the you know, the effect of people in your local area being able to find local lawyers as opposed to you know if you wrote about a, a consumer law post and some other side of the country finds it now you're going to see Google serving results for consumer lawyers that are in the neighborhood around the corner you know one of the big things too that uh, Google's even been talking a lot about is The way that people search is evolving as well, you know, as we get more, as as search becomes more familiar to everybody, uh, instead of searching for a consumer lawyer, you're searching for a consumer lawyer near me or a consumer lawyer in my city or neighborhood or zip code.
1: Because logically, and, and Google obviously knows this, that for many, many things that you might search for, you're going to be more interested in results that are within your city or state. Plus, Google knows where you are most of the time.
2: Right, and that's been a huge change too with mobile phone adoption. Um, the The targeting is better. The search engine is smarter. They're using more signals based on you know, your behavior, what you're uh, interested in, you know, how your click patterns, although a bunch of other fancy signals that I think we don't need to hyper focus on. But just think, I think making the point that especially in terms of search, Google's getting better at delivering results that are localized. Uh, for queries that are, you know, relevant to a local search.
1: And is the sort of the offline uh, version of this sort of like advertising in your neighborhood bulletin?
2: Exactly. Yeah. And, and this is, and this is, I think that's, this is a good segue to this idea of the blurring of the lines, because when you do things in your local community, like participate in local charities, or you uh, take a leadership position in a local organization or association, Those more and more of those organizations, associations, the people connected with those things are online. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, is that those local signals start to appear online in a way that Google can use them to better inform that, hey, this person is relevant. This law firm is relevant to this local area. And those local mentions, those local links help to serve you up in those localized uh, search results. But again, I, you know, I know we're going to talk about search, but it is, I think it's important to recognize that it's these traditional uh, relationship development activities that now are coming online and there's a there's an impact on search even for that.
1: Well, and, and this is a maybe a good point for us to state one of the things that should be obvious now, but often isn't, that there really is no such thing as online marketing anymore, because it moves back and forth.
2: Yeah, I, I you and I have uh, discussed that uh, in the past, and I, I would say it's. It, I think it's moving in your direction. It's moving in the direction of marketing is marketing. It's not online or offline or SEO. But I think it's worth noting that there are some things to think about that are not as intuitive as traditional marketing. Right. So, like, oh, totally, and maybe you know, twenty years from now, this might. It might be as secondhand as all the things we talk about with traditional marketing. But, um, you know, the easiest example of that I always bring up, especially in search is, you know, if you don't know some basic HTML, if you don't know things about like uh, robots, files, you know, you can do all the right things and not appear in a single search result because of some technical. Right.
1: And those don't have offline analogs, really. Um, My point is, is more about the your potential clients. May hear about you from a friend and then Google you.
2: Or oh, right, that's. I mean, that is absolutely you, those lines. You are can't. Blur.
1: You can't just do online marketing. It, it. That that's not an actual thing that anybody is capable of doing because, um, it's going to go offline whether you want to or not. And you can't pretend like off online marketing doesn't exist because your offline marketing is going to go
2: online whether you want to or not. One hundred percent. I mean that. I think, and I think that is a big thing. That's. That's one of the uh, bullet points that I've been trying to bring up a lot, and I'm glad you said it that way because that's really the gist of all of this is that no matter how somebody hears about you, whether it's you know someone that you know from your family or friends or classmates, you know all the traditional relationships that that we have, those people and the people that they're referring to you, are now also online. Yeah. And on top of that, there's an expectation uh, that continues to grow of people being able to find out information about you. And so, and that's the, you know, that's one of the things that's difficult for a lot of lawyers to accept because, you know, in, in one vein, you say, well, look, Facebook and social media are a waste of time and kids toys, except that when a word of mouth referral that you know tries to, to look you up online and sees you know whatever they see, mm-hmm. that's playing some role in their impression of you. And sometimes, what they find, you know, if they don't can't they can't find anything, you know, does that mean that they're not going to call you? Not necessarily, but sometimes they're going to find things that might prevent them from even contacting you. And so that's that's the type of thing that I think lawyers have a you know they're starting to be warm up to, but they've had a they've been really resistant to this idea that. Um, you know, the people that they, you know, their clients, the types of clients they want aren't online. Um And, you know, of course, I'm sure there are, there's still, you know, what, 25% or so of people, uh something like that, that aren't, that don't use the internet regularly or whatever. But, the, but more and more, the majority of people are going online. So it's not, you know, it's not this classic necessarily. Well, let, let's talk
1: about some of the statistics then. Like what, you know, what, who are we talking about that are the, What what is the pool of potential clients we can get here? Because that's that's one of the things that I often see lawyers scoff about: is you know only bad clients are online. My clients aren't online, or they're not looking for a lawyer online at least. So who are we talking about? Who is actually looking for a lawyer, and who cares about whether or not they're local?
2: Well, you know, and so it kind of depends on how we qualify how they're looking. So, but but let's let's let me directly answer you. When you're talking about the people that. Uh, are looking for you. So what they, they, they uh, are, you have a mutual friend or you have uh, a family member or somebody at work, you know, all these traditional relationships, there's a really good chance that those people are going to look you up online. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, meaning they may
1: get a personal referral first, but then they're going to, they're going to look you up
2: online. Exactly. It's, it's becoming, More of the case that even if you're, you know, you're, hey, do you know somebody that handles this kind of case? Yeah, you got to talk to so and so. Even when they give you their phone number, they're going to search the person's name online, Mm -hmm. and so things like, you know, and and uh, this maybe is, I think it dovetails into some of this local stuff, but certainly the relationship, word of mouth, the traditional uh, client development stuff. More and more people are going online. And that's and there's a big I, I think lawyers lawyers that are arguing that people don't go to look up information about them online really are missing the boat.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so even if you're you know, if you're one of those lawyers that says, look, you know, I'm a criminal defense lawyer and nobody that is searching for criminal defense lawyer in Google is going to be you know, nine out of 10 of those people aren't going to be good clients for me. Um, I won't dispute that. you know different people have different practices if you are very if you're very selective about the clients you take, very selective about the types of cases you take. Uh, you know the internet is the fire hose of the public. it's the it's the yellow pages and uh, you're talking about like the local business lookups. And so for a lot of lawyers, that's not the right uh, audience for them to be in front of. but I think that those same lawyers are gonna be very hard pressed to argue that the people that are looking for them. Uh, whether it's by, you know, mutual connection, offline, word of mouth stuff, that they're not looking for something. So, so I, my, I would suggest that the overwhelming majority of people are using the internet in some way to look up for some kind of information about you.
1: We have some statistics though, right? On like how many, what percentage of people are, are trying to, starting with personal referrals versus those who are, um, starting at Google, right? Yeah.
2: So, um, uh, Moses and Ruth, uh, little nod to them. they, with the help of Mike Blumenthal, uh, they have been putting out. I think they put it this the second one they put out, um, but they put out this survey, these Google consumer surveys. Which, by the way, if you're ever looking to do survey stuff, uh, Google consumer surveys is a an affordable way to hmm. um, to do that. But yeah, they they've you know 38 percent of the people when they were asked how did you find a lawyer that you hired it was an open ended question. I think it was, I think he qualified that like, if you hired a lawyer in the last six months. So these are people that recently hired a lawyer. Um, how did they find the lawyer? And when you group the uh, you know these referrals slash family friend uh, answers together, you know thirty eight percent are still going through someone they know. Mm-hmm. So and that's their start of their journeys. But I think it's also important to, to to note that even those people that are going through family friend work referral, those people are also still likely to look you up online. Right. So those aren't those aren't even people that originated their search um on the internet but they're still using it. And then you've got, you know, 15% that are originating their search through Google. So, you know, if you and again, this is one survey, so take it for what it's worth, but, you know, at the, at a minimum, 15% of the people in this survey were saying that they use the internet as their first look. And and, and you're going to find that So what, why would someone do that? Well, one, maybe people that don't know lawyers, they don't have the professional network, they don't have a lot of people that can turn to a referral, or there are people that are dealing with legal issues that maybe they don't want to get a referral because they don't want their friends to know they're dealing with a specific legal issue. Um, so you've got that kind of aspect that feeds to that, too. But, you know, again, if you combine those two things, you know, you're over half of the people, in my opinion, are going to be in some way touching the Internet in terms of actually vetting their lawyer,
1: yeah, and you in your uh, in your slides uh, on local marketing um, that you did at the Clio conference, mm. you, I, I you had a really interesting uh, quote that I I just thought was worth pointing out. That um, those who responded, of those who responded, uh, those earning more than one hundred fifty thousand dollars per year were more likely to choose an attorney based on a web search uh, than on a friend, right? Which I thought was interesting, though, because that's a kind of a direct answer to people who say good clients or the clients I want aren't online. Um, I think clients making six figures are the clients most people want.
2: Right. And and I, but I think it's also so I think that is, you know, a much more direct way of answering your question than I answered. However, I, I think it's important that we know to that. And this is where I think there's a lot of disconnect. The, those high net worth individuals that are using the internet, they're, it's the the key is is how they're using it because what are they doing? They're researching their legal issue. Right. They're researching, um, you know, what are the you know, maybe some other credentials that they're, you know, whether it's uh, leadership positions they've taken or things they've said in the media. That's the you know the more sophisticated consumer is is going. I mean, it's going to do more research, right? Right. Um, so it's you know, and that's the thing because what happens is. Everybody hears internet and they hear Google search for X, Y, and, you know, practice area city lawyer. Right. But that's not where the, you know, real advantage and the real power of the internet comes in. It comes in from being able to, you know, I always say marshal the evidence of your reputation or marshal the evidence of your knowledge through the internet. So make that information easy for people to find so that they can, when they do that research, They find that you're clearly the person who is the subject matter expert on their particular need.
1: The bottom line when it comes to ethics is that when you're marketing to people locally, it's the same as when you're marketing to anyone. Um, But what are some of the things that might come up that people aren't really paying attention to when it comes to local marketing?
2: Obviously, well, hopefully it's obvious. One of the things that people expect to be able to find out about you is what other people think about you. Um, whether that's clients or colleagues or somebody else that they you know know like trust or respect. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, mistakes or uh, tr- traps that lawyers walk into is one, the violating their state's rules on encouraging client testimonials or being part of the client testimonial process. In fact, some states are, you know and if, don't get me started on. <laughs> the, uh, ethics rules, but you know, the rules are the rules. Uh, some states are trying to hold lawyers accountable for things that their clients write independently when they have the ability to uh, right. suppress them. Then there is responding to a review, which brings in all sorts of client confidences and that kind of thing. Um, and of course, you know, depending on what you're doing, there are the issues of solicitation. That, you know, the guys that are used, uh, men and women who are using Twitter to, you know, put dollar signs and call me to get to collect your cash. um You know, there are those there's certainly some ethics issues there. But the, the irony is, is that that kind of stuff, it doesn't work that well. And so it just kind of makes you look silly. You get poked fun of by other lawyers. Um, You know, has there ever been a case that someone has uh attracted a client that has been a profitable client for that firm that's done that kind of thing. I'm sure there probably has been, but generally speaking, that stuff's the wrong way to go. It's towing the line with a lot of ethics things. But the, the the biggest one that always comes up is the client testimonial stuff. And then you get into like the adjective superlative stuff where it's, you know, I'm the best lawyer and that kind of stuff. Right. Um but but here's the thing, especially if you're looking for the sophisticated legal consumer who's of high net worth those types of things are more likely to turn off that client than to persuade them to call you.
1: Which it's, I mean, is there a good rule of thumb to use? I, I mean, it feels like the rule of thumb is just uh, don't be misleading and don't, don't do things that uh, are really pushy, excessively pushy. And that should get you past most of the ethics problems and most of the being a jerk that turns off potential clients problems.
2: I think those are those are good rules of thumb. Um I always like to add in that you've got to remember that. And this is something that you know, I even wrote this about this at attorney at work. But um, one of the big things that's happening in general in online communication usage is this idea of dark social. So that's like messaging apps, mm-hmm. Facebook Messenger, where and the, there's a lot, there's a lot of issues that this raises, but one of the biggest ones is, is it, it gives people the sense that they have privacy, right? So even the people that are, you know, some people who are really clueless don't even, you know, they type something on Facebook and they, and in the context of they don't realize that the whole world can see it. Mm-hmm. But the, the, these messenger apps give you the feeling that it's private. Right. But I, you know, especially when you're talking about, you know, lawyers, communications, it's it's better to always assume that it's public and it's not going away, even when you're on these dark social messenger apps, um, in my opinion. Right. So, you know, that, that that's, but that's the kind of thing where it's, you know, and I think that you should, you should always, no matter what, you
1: should always assume that what you're doing online is permanent and that it could become public. I think
2: that's a good rule of thumb.
1: That's, uh. That's what I will try to teach my kids when I
2: start allowing them to get online. <laughs> right. Yeah, start them off slowly. Um, and then I think the other thing, though, that just to take away from this, and this is this is tangentially related to the ethics stuff, but it's this idea that that advertising, broadcasting, you know, promotional stuff is not the best way to go, even from an effectiveness standpoint. And so, you know, what I, what I like to tell people is, if you're if you're doing things online that are just social or you're sharing an article or you uh you know are sharing some of the good things you're doing in the community and charity stuff, that stuff isn't you know again this is just one person's opinion, but that's not communications about a lawyer's services. And and guess what? That's the stuff people actually want to see. So now you've completely avoided the ethics stuff, you know, maybe if you're completely fabricating that you worked at a charity that might violate the ethics stuff. But, you know, if you're actually out there in the community doing stuff, you're not talking about the services, you know, you're sharing that stuff on Facebook, you're sharing, you know, Hey, we had a new hire. um, We'd like to introduce so-and-so people like that. The people that, that the new hire uh, are connected with, they're like, Hey, congrats on the new job. It's getting, it's gaining, building awareness. You're getting new people uh, in your uh, purview. But you know it's the, it's all this traditional networking stuff you're just doing it now on online platforms and it works the best and it and you don't have to worry about ethics as much
1: it's right it's just don't be a jerk and don't be slimy and <laughs> that kind
2: well, of stuff well some people there are plenty of jerks online that seem to be doing just fine so seem i
1: i hope it's just seeming to be doing fine but you never know
2: so um okay so so from a
1: from a potential client perspective how is it that i want to pop into their consciousness uh, whether it's online or offline, like how am I trying to intersect them? And I and I there's this buzzword that showed up on your slides that I'm not. I think I have an idea what it is, but I'm not sure. And I, and I think it's kind of what the what local is all about, which is this idea of micro moments. Is that right?
2: Right. So let's let's talk about that for a second. So that's a, a term Google uses. In fact, if you search micro moments, Google has a whole section on think with google about micro moments but you know mm-hmm. really at the, at the center of what's happened is is the, this mobile revolution so people have smartphones in their pockets and the so what's happened is it's fractured the consumer journey for a lot of different stuff so when we say that in the past you know in the traditional marketing 101 classes people are your potential clients move through this hiring funnel right so they you know, maybe they get exposed to a mess, you know, they're they're looking for something, they get exposed to a message, they have a consideration set, and then they make a decision about hiring. And it was very, you know, that was kind of the model. But now, because we have access to all this information, we've got these supercomputers in our pockets, it's all fractured. Right. And so you know, you have the in you know, and this goes to the the attention problems <laughs> that people have and all that kind of thing. But they might start their journey on you know, and I'll even expand this beyond just mobile devices, but, it, you know, they might be dealing with something in their personal life. They might see an ad on TV, which might drive them to do a search on their phone, which might make them uh, sign up for some kind of email, which might make them uh, think about asking a, a, a question of a friend on Facebook. And so it's all of these little touch points now that form this tapestry of their consumer journey. And that and it's, a, it's a big change. And, you know, from a from the perspective of a law firm, that's why I think it's it's so important not to be so uh single minded that, you know, people I all my best business comes from word of mouth referrals and people are just going to call my phone and leave me a voice message. I'll call them back and decide whether they're the, you know, a good client for me. That's just not how it, you know, does it work like that? Sure, sometimes. But most people now, they have this expectation that. They can find information about you online. That they can find information about you uh, from social networks. So you know people that you're mutually connected to, and that's all part of this validating process that motivates people to uh, get answers to their questions. Uh, you know, even when they're further down the, the stage, because you know, one of the, this is a. Sorry, I'm kind of rambling here, but no, that's right. I'd, i I'd,
1: i I'm interested in the way it all sort of intersects and becomes uh, a sort of a morass of engagement. And it it sounds like part of it is like, think of yourself as um, Wikipedia. Somebody might discover an article for the first time by searching for it, or they might already know where it is and come to you for more information than they currently have to check on something.
2: Much better said than I was saying it, but that's exactly right. So many lawyers forget that a lot of people who are going to be their potential clients are at a stage where they don't even realize they might need to talk to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so if you can give them, you know, if you can help them through that journey before they're even at, you know, the point where they're like, I need to hire a lawyer. If it's I need to get an answer about this issue I'm dealing with my life and, oh, this law firm or this lawyer uh, has some great information on that. Or this person that I know points me in the direction of this lawyer who has some great information about that online. That to me is like the, the big you know, one of the big missing pieces that I think too many lawyers uh are ignoring in terms of what the internet's really done to that consumer journey.
1: So we're going to take a two-minute break for a message from our sponsor. And uh, when we come back, we will talk about how to put yourself in the position to be on the other side of those micro moments.
0: Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. You could invest in marketing your firm. You could spend more time helping clients in need, or you could catch your daughter's soccer game. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With Clio, tracking time, billing, and matter management are fast and easy, giving you more time to focus on what really matters. And Clio is a complete practice management platform with plenty of tools and over 50 integrations to help you automate daily tasks such as document generation and court calendaring. See how the right software can make it easier to manage your practice. Try Clio for free today at Clio.com. This podcast is supported
1: by Ruby receptionists. As a matter of fact, Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist, and my firm was a paying Ruby customer before that. Here's what I love about Ruby. When I'm in the middle of something, I hate to be interrupted, so when the phone rings, it annoys me, and that often carries over into the conversation I have after I pick up the phone, which is why I'm better off not answering my own phone. Instead, Ruby answers the phone, and if the person on the other end asks for me, a friendly, cheerful receptionist from Ruby calls me and asks if I want them to put the call through. It's a buffer that gives me a minute to let go of my annoyance and be a better human being during the call. If you want to be a better human being on the phone, give Ruby a try. Go to callruby.com slash lawyerist to sign up and Ruby will waive the $95 setup fee. If you aren't happy with Ruby for any reason, you can get your money back during your first three weeks. I'm pretty sure you'll stick around, but since there is no risk, you might as well try. Okay, let's get back to it. Before we took a break for our sponsors, we were talking about uh, micro moments and how people engage with... Uh, search and internet, and uh, how they how they may come into contact with you, probably through some sort of a local uh, relationship. Uh, but so, Guy, how do we actually make sure that we are on the other side of that engagement? How, how do we make sure that that micro moment is between us and a potential client?
2: Right. So, I and I, you know, this is, if all this kind of thing is brand new to you, I, I say start just brainstorming. But it starts with thinking locally in real life. Uh, if you survey local market, one is identifying uh, some of the ways that people. One, this is a huge overlooked opportunity, but you know people don't realize that people use different languages in different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting to know how those people uh, use different languages, describe the issues they're dealing with that are relevant to your practice, uh, who, what, what the organizations are at a very local level. Uh, that you can go out and meet people and network and maybe, you know, do seminar work with, you know, so all that, that real life local stuff. Um, and take in consideration some of the things that the, that you as a lawyer might be passionate about. And sh- you know, we all have causes that, uh, we, for one uh, reason or another are extremely passionate about. Find those places in real life and then start saying, how can I apply this? Uh, to the web and to social networks and to the people that I know in real life online. Um, and so, you know, some of the things we talk about are localizing your website. Uh, you know, if you putting local content on your website, you know, ta- a lot of lawyers have done somewhat creative things with identifying like local dangerous intersections. You know, that's something that hmm. a lot of people are impacted by. You know, if you're uh it's local language. It's places uh, that people are familiar with. Um, so that's what kind of what we mean there is, is to actually put local content, you know, local news stuff that you have something to write about on your website. And it's again, sort of the the non uh,
1: spammy, clickbaity version of "you'll never believe these five new traffic laws in Minneapolis, Minnesota." Exactly. But but it's actually be interesting to your community rather than trying to do the same. Frequently asked questions that every other bankruptcy lawyer in the country is doing
2: exactly, and and it's what what can you offer? What you know again, even if you're a young lawyer who's you know you don't have the experience, uh, you're not writing the treatise on you know auto accident law in your state. You could you have an opinion, and Mm -hmm. you can frame that in a way that you know some people might agree with you, and guess what? Some people might disagree with you, and that's okay too. And part of part of this whole process is is having these conversations online, um, but and again, you know, there of course there are consequences for standing for something. But you know, I'd rather stand for something than stand for nothing and just be regurgitating these you know five traffic law tips. But the, the the real point from a search perspective is, like you said, keep it interesting, make it local. Obviously, you need some of the basics with where you put HTML elements. Uh, and make sure that your pages are getting indexed in local search. But another big piece of this is this idea of uh your the consistency of your business listings, which is a whole if you I always use Moz because they've got great information there, but Moz Local has this whole learning center uh, that David Mim there's put together. Really great stuff. So if you have if you want to get into the weeds of like local organic search marketing, which I don't know if that's really the direction we want to go today, but that's a great resource to learn more about that. Um, and of course, you can always pay for local search traffic. So one of the things that... and Okay, you know, so that
1: that's a whole new can of worms for some people. What, when should you consider paying instead of trying to build it
2: yourself? So it's a, it's a really hard question to answer, but I'll, I'll give you some... Here's some of my guidelines. Number one is, you know, start back with identifying your target audience. Are, are you trying to help people with a specific legal problem in a specific area that... They're likely to go and do a business lookup search for your firm. And are those likely to be your clients? So, again, if you are a let's use divorce attorney and you're doing only high net worth divorces, you don't have a system for uh, efficiently and effectively screening the droves of people that are searching for a divorce lawyer, paying for local search marketing might not be the best thing for you. Mm hmm. However, if you are, you know, whether you want to call it a volume-based practice or you are you have systems in place to quickly and efficiently identify whether or not someone's likely to be a good audience for you, the next step is to say, what is the business component of this? How much money can I spend to acquire a client on average uh, that it still makes sense for my firm? Because this is what happens. People are like, oh, yeah, I got to be online. I got to be on AdWords. I'm going to bid on Divorce Lawyer. You know, if they don't even set a a location, there's like U.S. divorce lawyer broad match. Mm -hmm. And then they and then they spend thousands of dollars and they're like, oh, AdWords doesn't work. Right. And it's like, well, no, you you need to say how much is the cost per click? You know, if you're if you're if you need to say your divorce, your average divorce client, I'm making numbers up because I've never I don't have a lot of experience in divorce. But let's say it's a four thousand dollar flat rate divorce. I don't even know if that's realistic. but. (laughs) I would say that if you can, if you can generate, uh, potential clients for, you know, X percent of that, uh, $4,000 that makes sense for your business, then AdWords might make sense for you. And then you can work backwards and say how much you're willing to pay for a click and what geography you might say, you know, if I'm going to do this on a specific zip code or city or county or if i going to do it statewide, but, That's kind of the analysis you have to go through to decide uh, whether it's going to be the right thing for you. It's not as easy as saying, I need to be in AdWords. I need to be in Google. I need to be on Facebook.
1: You need to be able to do a little bit of math.
2: You got to do some math. You got to do some research. You got to get some sense of who your target audience is. And, and, you know, this is another thing, too. Ask the, the best resource here. And this is I think this is good advice in general in terms of just improving your practice in all sorts of ways Listen to what your clients are saying. Hey, how did you find us? How did you, uh, you know, perform a search if you came in through the search? You know, asking those questions and on top of asking questions about how do you feel about our service, how we could improve our service, you know, my communication process, you know, would you be willing to leave a review, all that kind of stuff. But they're the people that, you know, if you've got a client who fits your target audience, they're sitting right there. Ask them They're mm-hmm. a wealth of knowledge.
1: So if we were going to if you're gonna give somebody a checklist of like how to get how to get your house in order for local marketing as opposed to um, either not doing enough marketing at all or just blasting it out to whoever um, how, how would what would be the checklist that you would give somebody to like here are the things you need to pay attention to
2: All right great so for ta- so and I'm gonna give some caveats here so we're assuming um, we're targeting an audience, uh, that's using the internet to find information and to actually find lawyers on a local level. Number one is you got to localize your website. Mm-hmm. You've got you've to have local content up there that gets indexed, that's going to, uh, even if it's long tail searches, but that people are going to get exposure to your website. They're going you know, to, you know, content that they want to share, whether it's a blog post or some kind of article or a study or a picture or whatever it is. Um, localize your website. number two is you've got to be in for for search, you've got to use right now it's called Google my business, but it used you know Google plus local local. it's had Google a lot of local. names, hasn't it they've they're constantly changing it, and I think they're finally you know who am I to speak for Google, but it seems like they're kind of they're finally understanding the importance of delivering localized business results to their users. And so they've really made this push towards uh, this last year. These local results, 3-packs, have become much more prominent in search for a variety of different searches. So Google My Business, you can look look up Google My Business, get that listing locked down. Make sure you follow the... They have guidelines there for what you, what's permissible and what's not. You get to have a listing for each office lo- physical office location and for each practi- practitioner, so each lawyer in each office location. But you know, don't try to game it. Don't try to use virtual office. in my opinion. again, people disagree about this. and of course you know, Google's not perfect, so spam can still work. But um, my the best advice I can give is don't try to game it, follow the guidelines, do it for each of your offices. Uh, s- s- when you have happy clients that are like, how can I, you know say thank you? You know, we always encourage uh, happy clients to go to our Google My Business page, assuming that it's permissible for you to do that in your state. So check that out. Um, and then, b- then after that, I would say social networking. So, you know, and you know, I've talked about this before, too, but uh, Facebook ha- allows for pages. Those pages can be reviewed by clients and colleagues. Those pages will show up prominently in search results. And so when you're talking about those searches on your name, the more places that you can say, you know, hey, my Google My Business profile page has happy people talking about me. My Facebook page has happy people saying, you know, you're the best. <laughs> uh, your Yelp listing has places, people saying you're the best. Uh, and Yelp and Google My Business are extremely localized. Avo, same thing, extremely localized. Um, so. You know, I know a lot of lawyers don't like the Avo scoring, but, you know, Avo is, you know, they're very prominent for most. If you look up your name online and you're a lawyer, it's very likely your Avo profile, even my Avo profile shows up and I'm not very active there, but, you know, I'm still a member of the Michigan bar. So they, you know, pull that information in. Um, those are, those are kind of the quick checkpoints. So short version website, Google my business, the local listings that show up for searches for your name, like Yelp, Avo, um, Facebook. And then I would say beyond that, you start, can start getting into some of the paid advertising stuff. But that should not be your first thing. And, and in fact, if you're going to go paid, you need to spend a lot of time learning about audience targeting, how these platforms work. A lot of them aren't as intuitive as you might think. It's not as simple as, you know, in the past, you got a big budget, you put a, a billboard up. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than and that. And you need
1: to have a pretty sophisticated idea of what you're ROI needs to be, what are oh, your cost okay. per acquisition, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. And that's a, and that might be a good conversation for us another time, but the understanding the business metrics of your practice is critically important if you're going to spend time and money on client development beyond the things that might be intuitive to you. And so, you know, again, I, for, if you're, if you're out there and you're like most lawyers, you know, you don't have a lot of time, but you know, you need some of these things to buttress the other networking, client development activities you're doing, a lot of this stuff's free. So it's just a matter of kind of connecting the wires. It's a matter um, of the time,
1: which isn't the time. entirely the free, right? but yeah.
2: And then the, the final thing I would say is, and, and this could be a whole other conversation too, is working on some kind of email strategy. So that's that on one end of the spectrum, that could be as simple as remembering to regularly email your most trusted referral sources uh but staying in touch with people via email not you know mass emailing everybody your free consultation messaging but you know email is becoming this kind of the the last i mean it's really not i say text probably is but it's still a place that a lot of people have their eyeballs on it's a protected place to a certain extent obviously we all get a lot of spam emails but um It's a, it's a place that I would say in the future too is going to continue to be important, especially, and I don't want to get too technical, but the, there's going to be a shift to email being the identifier for targeting. So, you know, right now the cookie is the main thing, but I, I can see an evolution towards email. So when you're talking about Facebook custom audiences, Google's going to allow you to do custom audiences. So being able to build email lists of people that actually want to get emails from you is a very powerful thing.
1: Anything else for the checklist?
2: I don't know. I that probably went a little bit longer. No,
1: that's all right though. Let's <laughs> it's good to help people get started. And I, I think that's probably a good thing to end on. So, Guy, thanks so much for being with us again. You are our second returning guest.
2: Always a pleasure, and thanks for having me.
0: Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit lawyerist.com podcast or legaltalknetwork.com. You can subscribe via iTunes or anywhere podcasts are found. Both Lawyerist and The Legal Talk Network can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and you can download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play or iTunes.
1: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said during this podcast is legal advice.